Oh, good morning. Uh, just the drummer you saw back there, her name is Pat Myers. Uh, she has been coming for a few months, and, and we found out she had this gift, and we said, hey, you need to share that one day, and we're so grateful she is. So, Pat, we thank you for a lot of helping us to worship the Lord this morning. Somebody thought maybe it was like Nathan with a wig on or something or something. Like, who's, she can't be that, who is this lady drumming like that? But it was, it was amazing. And so, welcome, and uh, would you just join me in a word of prayer? Lord, on this day where there are so many things to do, would, we, would you teach us to come before you, not only to just simply give worship or to just be here, but to see our lives in a way that we could surrender all things to you. Lord, that word surrender, it's so hard. It's a daily struggle. And you knowing that, you encourage us to daily take up our crosses. So teach us, show us, reveal to us why you want the best for us. And may we be your people as your church to live in surrender for your namesake. These things we pray. Amen. There's a book by Gary Thomas, Seeking the Face of God, and he writes this. Christian health is not defined by how happy we are, how prosperous or healthy we are, or even by how many people we have led to the Lord in the past year. Christian health is ultimately defined by how sincerely we have, we wave our flag of surrender. Christian health is ultimately defined by how sincerely we wave our flag of surrender. What, a, what an incredible quote. Um, there was a story of a man who had two parakeets. One was named Coffee and the other one was named Charlie. And one day he found Coffee almost dead. True story. The claw had gotten stuck in one of the nests inside the cage and it was dangling and it couldn't free. So he freed it and his wife nursed it back to health. And a few weeks later, sure enough, the claws got stuck again, so they realized we need a remedy. So they went to the vet, and they trimmed the claws. Charlie loved it. Charlie loved being held by the man and getting his claws clipped. But coffee couldn't stand it. It would just chase her. You know, those birds, they go crazy. They fly around. And the owner couldn't grasp for the life of him, you know, how he could communicate to this bird. I'm not trying to hurt you. I need you to surrender so I could keep you safe. I need you to let me be the hand that holds you. And so when we hear God saying to us, would you surrender, he's not trying to take away, but he's merely saying, would you place yourselves in the hands of someone who loves you, who is wise, who knows what's best for you. And this is why today's chapter is daily, total surrender. And so, There's a question I ask. Can we be a follower of Jesus Christ? Can we be Christians in the church today without surrender? What do you think? Tell your your neighbor. Answer that question. Can you truly be a true Christian without surrender? Just, I'll give you 10 seconds. Just say hi and talk to the student. What if I just believe, you know? What if I just go to church? Can I be a Christian if I know Jesus is God, but I don't need to surrender? I don't know what your answer was, but 
the person that I trust more than anybody in this world, Jesus Christ, says, no way. So right before today's text, um, I should have put this in the main text, but I put it for you up there. Right before today's reading that Pia gave in Luke chapter 9, verse 21-22. No, it's the next slide. <laughs> there we go. Jesus strictly warned them. So right before he says, you know, take up your cross daily, follow me. Uh, he says this. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said... The Son of Man, can you read this with me? The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. He just finished telling his disciples this. And then he says right after that, Therefore, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Just think about the logic of this. Uh, Jesus tells his disciples, uh, I'm going to be betrayed, suffer, get crucified, get killed, and die. And what is your response? You know? And so the response that sometimes we do after Jesus said, this is what will happen to me, I think the response that we have in 21st century culture, it's, I just want a comfortable life. I want to go to church with minimal obligations, and I don't want to give up my real joys. And so Jeff Vanderstelt, I used his quote a few months ago, but he captured it well in the book Saturate. He says, Jesus didn't come to earth, take on human flesh, live among people as a servant of all, suffer and die so that we could just go to church for a few hours a week. No, he wants it all. He wants all of our lives, all of the time. He wants to fill every place with his presence through his people. He wants every person in every place doing everything to glorify God. Just as when Jesus called his first disciples to follow him, when he calls people to be his disciples today, he intends it to be an all-of-life kind of thing that affects everything. I I just, I'm humorous, so I, I like to think like this. Jesus says, The Son of Man will be betrayed, suffer, and killed. And third day, he will rise again. And I'm picturing, but can I still get a girlfriend? You know, the Son of Man will die and rise again. Am I still going to get rich? You know, so do you see how it's weird? It just doesn't make sense. And Jesus is saying, that's who I am. I am actually surrendering for you. And if you want to follow me, you know what it requires of you? Total surrender. Um, Did you hear the joke about the chicken and the pig? They wanted to show appreciation to their farmer. So they said, I I got an idea, the chicken said. Why don't we give him a nice breakfast of eggs and bacon? Let it soak in. And then the pig says, for you, that's just an egg. For me, it's my whole life. And in that joke, I love that joke because sometimes we like to think Jesus wants just a chicken, just a little part of me. When he's saying, if I'm going to do something great in you, I need all of you. I need your total surrender. So early followers of Jesus, they got that. The early followers of Jesus for 300 years until, until the Rome 
made Christianity under Constantine the main religion, they were cut in half, they were burned at the stake, they were beheaded, crucified, and they did this joyfully. They were doing it in total surrender. They were giving generously, serving and dying, and they were fully surrendered to Jesus. So if Jesus' words are true, the answer to the question is, I'm going to say this to us, it is impossible to be a true Christian if you never surrendered. It is impossible. Because in order to live, we must first die. And those who refuse to die will never live. Doesn't that sound great? That should be in the Bible somewhere. So, verse 24, Jesus says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? And I want the church to get this because Oswald Chambers has a good grasp on this. He says, be careful when you surrender your life to get what you want. I don't want to go to hell. I believe in you, Jesus. Who is that about? It's still about you. He says our self-centeredness is so deceiving that we will do things to God for ourselves ultimately. And he's saying surrender is this. You're doing it fully because you love God and you're giving yourself to him. You know, um, I took Michelle and my kids to teach bikes during their years. And what, are, what does a dad say? Don't trust me. No, we say trust me. So I'm going to run with you. And then, you know, they're biking. And then if, if I say, if you trust me, when I let go, I'm going to keep you safe. What do they have to do? I noticed all three of them at one point, they couldn't surrender. So you know how you know they don't surrender? You know how you're running right next to them and they're leading their body into you? But you can't ride a bike like that. So eventually they need to let go of that surrender and surrender and say, he's with me even though I can't see him or feel him. And they went. And I videotaped my oldest daughter, you know, doing it for the first time. Wow, you're doing it, Phil. And I went, oops. But that's besides the story because I'm not God. But God is there and he's saying, whether you see me or not, whether you feel me or not, do you trust me? Will you surrender all to me? So Jesus is saying we need to be disciples. And in order to be disciples, there's a requirement. And in this verse, oh, it's not up there. Uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Now, I paid a lot of money to go to seminary, so I'm going to try to use it a little bit. There's two aorist imperatives and one present imperative. And I was like, what? That's what I said. All it means is there's two commands that says you must have accomplished this. You must do this. And the third command is, it's a command that you need to strive towards. In other words, the two things, if you want to follow me, that you need to have locked down and have done is take up your cross and deny yourself. It has to be done. Michelle, Jamie, Ethan, if you want to learn to ride a bike, you cannot hold on to me. It has to be done. And then what's the third part for bicycling? And pedal your little buns off, right? That's the present imperative. So Jesus is saying the two things you must have done is deny yourself and take, your, take up your cross daily and keep following me. 
This is Christianity. It is this life of surrender fully committed to him, and that's what Jesus is saying here. So the question I have for us is, have you denied yourself? Have I denied myself? What does it look to deny myself? Um, Tim Keller has an incredible little paragraph I just want to read to you. He, he, this is a great teaching. He says, imagine you had a dear friend who was dying of a very rare disease. You have a friend. Let's call him Bob. Actually, there's a Bob in here. So let's call him Jimmy. Jimmy. And he's dying of a very rare disease. And so we go to a doctor, and the doctor says, this is serious. This is really, you'll be dead in a few days with this disease. But I have good news. I have the cure. You need to take this treatment. There's only one thing, though. You can never eat chocolate for the rest of your life. And so I say to Jimmy, that's fantastic. You don't have to die. You can live. And then Jimmy says, no, chocolate. Forget it. What would you say to Jimmy? (laughs) Let me die in peace. I need my chocolate. But you know if that Jimmy is your family member or your mom or your dad or your beloved person, children, and they say, I can't take that treatment because of chocolate, you would say, you fool. (laughs) And so when we surrender... This denying yourself is not because God hates us, but he's saying, I got the best for you. Your biggest need is not what you think it is. Your biggest need is what I have for you. And so when you deny yourself, it's this moment that we can turn to God and say, not my will be done, but thy will be done. And so I was reflecting on this, and then this, there's a great article that captured this. And it's not even from a Christian. It's from a photographer. Does anybody know a photographer in your family, a professional or an artist or a hobbyist? Did you? I didn't know this. But photographers, to capture beautiful images, you know what they have to do? They have to take themselves out. So what does that mean? I'll just let it explain it. So a Canadian photographer describes barriers that prevents him from seeing the best photo possible. And he says this. Letting go of the self is an essential precondition of really seeing. When you let go of yourself, you abandon any preconceptions about the subject matter that might cramp you into photographing, photographing in a certain predetermined way. When you let go, new conceptions arise from your direct experience of the subject matter, and new ideas and feelings will guide you as you make pictures. So in other words, just like in spiritual life, when you pull yourselves out, You get to experience the realness of what's around you by what God has for you. If all I want is chocolate, I can't experience vanilla, strawberry. In your life, I don't know what it is, but if all you want is what you think you want and not what God has for you, you're going to self-fulfill prophecy. It's going to be that you get what you want and not what God has for you. And so this self-denial is key. The second thing Jesus says, will you joyfully follow Christ in suffering? Now, all these years, I'm 42. I never got this until this week. 
He doesn't say daily take up your cross. He says, will you joyfully take up the cross? Um, you know, do you notice kids, what happens when you take a little kid and you throw them in the air? They fall. Just kidding. I'm just see if you're awake. No you, no, you pick them up and you throw them in the air. What did the kids say? And then what do they ask you to do? Do it again. What is repetition and request for repetition? It is a joy. When a child says to his parents, do it again, do it again, it's saying, I am in joy with you. When Jesus is saying, take, your, take up your cross daily, he's saying, I don't want you to just suffer for my name, but would you enjoy and even welcome, embrace suffering for my name? So Eugene Peterson, in his translation, says, embrace the suffering. You know, we live in this country where we say, there's pain, I'll pray it away. But I think if you look at the life, God says, through that pain, it's a gift that I want for you. We got to stop praying, my friend is struggling, take it away. Instead, we got to pray, God, my friend is struggling. Give them strength. Give them the ability to see you. Help them persevere so that they could come out even stronger. Amen? This is what it means to take up your cross daily. And so Jesus' brother, James, writes in James chapter 1, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you eat chocolate. No, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So Jesus is saying, Will you endure hardship for my name? And I want our church to say, Because I am totally surrendered, let it be so. Because he's so beautiful. So let me land this plane and just end it with this. The surrendered life is following Jesus. It's not what you do. It's who you fix your heart on and who you delight in in total surrender. And so surrendered life looks like this. It's following God even when you don't know what's happening. Some of you are in that situation. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. Surrender. Say, God, I don't know, but you do. A surrender life means turning to God, even when nothing seems to make sense, and say, in your timing, God, it's perfect. You will show a way out. I am committed to you. But what if I don't get, I don't know, what if I don't get married for 50 years or 90 years? God is saying, will you still trust me? Surrender life means waiting on God for his perfect timing. We're in that Snapchat generation, Instagram, Facebook, we want it now, and waiting on God is a surrender. God, I got this looming problem, but I'm going to wait on you because I can't figure it out, and I'm just going to surrender it into your hands. Lastly, choosing to humble yourself to God and his word is surrendered. Will you surrender to God and say, God, I believe you. I believe in your words today and every day. Help me to lay it before you. Surrender my life and my comfort that I could be a blessing to others while I'm waiting on you. And this is what surrender life is. And let me end with the final story. In The Prodigal God, a book by Tim Keller, he writes this. In the post-Vietnam War, there's a movie called Three Seasons. Have any of you heard of it? It's a little short stories of, of of stories, and there's a guy named Han who is a rickshaw 
poor rickshaw driver, and he falls in love with a prostitute named Lai, and she's living in abject poverty. She wanted to work prostitution so she could make money and get out of this lifestyle, but what happens when you go into sex trafficking and prostitution? She's snared. It's brutal. So one day, Rick uh, Han goes into a tournament, rickshaw tournament, and he wins first place and wins tons of money. And finally, he has a chance. He buys a night with Lai. Guess what he does? He says, all I want to do is to give you what you always wanted, for you to sleep undisturbed. And she's blown away by his generosity. He had the wealth and the power. Instead of abusing it for sex, he surrenders it and says, I just want to give you grace. And she's skeptical at first. Maybe he's trying to manipulate me. And he does it again, and it starts transforming her cynical, untrusting heart. And it starts liberating her from this lifestyle. And he says this, Jesus Christ gave up himself for you, and by his grace... It transforms us. Can I ask you, church, why would we not want to surrender ourselves to someone like Jesus? Why would you trust your own heart when a God gave himself for us? And so what Jesus is asking us, you want to follow me? You've got to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. And the promise of God is in that that he who loses his life for me will indeed gain it. Church, will you surrender? Let's pray. God, we just want to breathe. And we just want to rest.